0: Um, it really is good for those that of you are getting um, getting put off by my unbelievably sexy legs. I'm praying for you. Because if you think these are sexy you got a problem. So um, but I but I was getting dressed this morning I thought I was putting my jeans on I thought no lord actually nah, 40 degrees does not put short long pants on. 40 degrees puts shorts on. But at the same time, can I just say, this is not a religious thing, what you wear. I could come with a suit and a tie, and we would be, I have check stands going suit and tie. Other people are like, yeah, now nah, there's a man of God. And then I can come with shorts on, and uh, other people say, oh, sheepers, oh, this church is going nowhere. And um, But the point is this. I can be well dressed, but not have an inner laugh, and that will not bless you. It's not about what people wear; it's what, about what people, who people are. So I'm actually this morning is a little bit of a moment just to shake us up a little bit. Actually, we can wear shorts and breech. You know what I mean? And also because it's so flippin' hot. So, um, so if you are, I apologise if it's difficult for you, but it is not the issue. More importantly, on your, on your chairs, there is a piece of paper like this, at least every second chair. Dawn has a few extras with her. If you want one, find her, and she'll give you some. I want to do things a little bit differently this morning. I've started a whole lot differently this morning, actually. So this is the text I'm going to preach from, and I thought I could put it up there, but actually this is just a kind of a screenshot from my, my iPad. This is kind of my highlights and my things as I've been preparing on this text, so Kind of, that's how my mind works. Quite troubling, isn't it? But um, I have got some kind of uh, pattern. Kind of, yellow is my general highlighting, and then I've got different colours for different things. And I try to kind of, on a, in a passage, just so you know how my, my, I kind of think. And in a passage, I'm trying to kind of highlight the same colours, highlight kind of things that connect with each other. So when I'm reading it, I can scan to see where they are. Oh, so it's kind of just how it works. So it's not the perfect system. But it is a system that I kind of have, and then in my Bible program, those little squares that you see, there's four or five, those are notes. So I can actually push that and then it comes up with notes. But you won't be able to do that just it's just a piece of paper. So this morning I want I'm wanting to talk about here's freedom. I could have also called it here's change. And I was so excited about Christian's and Hilton's ministry moment there with us. Because actually this is what I want to talk about. And uh, what I have here, Christian, I very quickly ran to the kitchen, and I put half oil, half water into a bottle. And so what Christian was saying, you won't be able to see it because the oil is kind of a similar color. So this is properly shaken up, and if you leave it like that, it, you can't see It's kind of very clear. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just leave it here and see how long that takes to separate back into its, and this will come up later in in my text as I preach. So let's, um, let's have a look here. There it is there, John chapter 8, verse 31 to 47. Part of the reason why I printed it out was it is so important, friends. We're not wanting to come on a Sunday, receive a word, and go home. We're wanting to be challenged by God. We're wanting to be provoked by God. We're wanting to be encouraged by God. We're wanting to be strengthened by God. And one of the ways that we do that is to take the scriptures and read them for all they are worth. It's a, it's a moment to take the scriptures and encounter the truth and encounter Jesus in them. And what happens is, because we've got devices, we get distracted by the devices. And um, I thought this morning, actually what I wanted to do is just print it out so that actually we get back to those that have got kind of... Uh, uh, that are using devices. I use devices, so I'm not saying it's wrong. Just to take a moment and just take that and then you can take it with you and actually just allow God to speak to you. I want to I I say to you this morning, if you've got a pen, got that piece of paper, draw on it. If you feel, God might speak to you nothing about what I've said, but he speaks to you from the text. Thank you, Jesus. Just highlight, put a question mark, Another text might come when you're reading that. Another text might come, and you, another scripture. Write it in the margin so that it reminds you because you forget about it, and then take it back and say, "God, just this this piece of scripture is so dense and so full. It's 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 a preaching series on its own." Okay, so let's read it. John chapter eight, verse thirty-one to the Jews who had believed him Jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are all my disciples if you hold to my disciples you really are my disciples other translations say abide if you abide in my word you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free that little phrase, friends, can change your life this morning. Or begin a process of changing your life this morning. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now listen. Listen. The slavery they're talking about is obviously not physical slavery because as a people, they were in slavery for 400 years. So what are you, they, they're saying, hey, listen, we are beholden to nobody. God is our God. Abraham is our father, is our descendant. What do you mean we need to be set free? Jesus replied, verily, very truly I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Oh my gosh. He makes this statement anybody who sins is a slave. You see, we can be in Christ and have Jesus as our Lord. And we are safe in Him. And we find rest in Him. The problem is we don't always live our lives like that day to day. Every time we sin, what we're actually doing is in that moment, we're giving our lives over to another master. That's what he's saying. So he's saying to them, listen guys, you, are, you say that Father Abraham and God, but actually you sin. You can't say that, yet you're, not, that you're completely free. You sin, which means that you have a slave master. Now, Jesus is not trying to put us into bondage here. He's just trying to make a bit of a reality check to say, listen, guys, and for us today, Jesus is our Lord. And we declare him and we praise him and we thank God for gathering together and having worship like we did this morning where we praise him and exalt him and remind ourselves that Jesus is our Lord because during the week, 24-7 in reality Jesus is not practically our Lord all the time because we sin because I sin it's an amazing thing eh? Jesus challenging these guys now a slave is no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever so if the son sets you free you are free indeed See, you can't be set free by an orphan. You can't be set free by a hireling. You can't be set free by a servant. You've got to be set free by the son. And the implication is is that he is the son. Listen to me. Don't go to the Pharisees for freedom. Go to Jesus for freedom. And and that phrase is such a well-known text in Christendom. When the sun sets, you free. We are free indeed. But the context of it is this: Are we are we living under the sonship of Jesus, under the lordship of Jesus, and we ourselves becoming sons and daughters? Are we living under that reign? Because if you don't live under the sun, there is slavery. It's not complete. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. One of my things I want, to, I want to emphasize this morning is the reason why we don't live in freedom, the reason why we don't are unable to change is because there's no room in our hearts for His Word. I'm not just talking about the Bible. You can read the Bible every day and still have no room in your heart for, for His Word. This is an inner, inner, an inner disposition have we got room in our heart for Jesus to change us and speak to us? Carries on. I am telling you that I've, I've seen the Father's seen in the Father's presence. And in other translations there. it kind of seen that word seen there means kind of have a mental perception or it could also mean a bodily kind of physical seeing. It is kind of an experience of or taking heed you kind of you've, you've seen that's what some of the, the things say so he's saying listen I've been in the father's presence and i perceived I've seen I'm telling you what I'm telling you is what's happening in the father's presence and you are doing and heard from your father now Jesus is putting the knife in there like hey listen guys Abraham is our father they answered Jesus goes on and if you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, you would do what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? He believed and it was counted as righteousness. They're not believing. That means you're not Abraham's children. Now understand this is a proper confrontation with Jesus and the thing. This is not a light moment. This is a proper clash of kingdoms. In the religious space, proper story happening here. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. In their minds, they're thinking, "Hang on, what are you talking? Your father, my father? We only got one father." Jesus carries on. We are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God Himself. What do you mean our father? We only have one father. But can I say that statement is also a little bit of a knife in Jesus' heart? Listen, we we weren't born out of wedlock. My mother knew who my father was. And you? Jesus. You know the story? Mary, Joseph, she gets pregnant. Joseph's like, how did that happen? The scandal, how did this happen before they were married, illegitimate. they also pointing back at Jesus and saying, how can you come and tell us that we're illegitimate children? Actually, you're the illegitimate guy. Jesus carries on. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I've come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. This is a massive declaration by Jesus where he's realized who he is and what he's called to do and he's laying it down. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. What am I, how, how can I say this differently? You see, it's nothing wrong with Jesus' communication. It's got to do with their reception of the word. Is there room in your heart for my word? You belong to the father, the devil. Here we go. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Uh Uh-oh. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, and there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of liars. Basically, he's saying, you bunch of liars. After he's been told that he's an illegitimate child, stop talking to us. Yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong. To God. Friends, He is freedom, but there's a posture and a disposition in our lives that needs to continually be adjusted. Friends, you never get to an age where you never have to be part of this process. We are all uniquely broken. And uniquely weak and uniquely strong. We're all different. But we all constantly need to have room in our hearts for Jesus and his word and his dealings. Everyone who sins. Friends, nobody wants to sin. Nobody wants to maliciously hurt other people. I don't think, unless you're a sociopath or psychopath, whatever that path is. Most of us want to live according to the word of God. We want to, we want to live a prosperous life because we know if we live according to Jesus, it's, you've got the best chance ever of living as God designed human beings to live on this side of eternity. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you don't belong to God. It's because you've got a different slave master. I I'm want I'm to talk about freedom and change. Like, how do we how do we do this? How do we move forward? There's that piece of paper. John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Let's go back there. Verse 35 says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but the son belongs to it forever. If the son sets you free, you are free indeed. If you want to change, you've got to accept the reality of the freedom of Christ, of the freedom that you can have in Christ before you change. You know what I mean by that? So it's like, if you're trying to be free by your change, you will never change. You've got to sit in the reality and rest in the reality that Jesus sets us free. And only Jesus sets us free. Friends, you can have, a, you can have hours and hours and hours of psychotherapy. It will never change you like Jesus changes you. If the Son sets you free, you are free Indeed. Look at verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Oh, so when the sun sets you free, the reason why the sun sets you free is because He is truth. Have you ever thought of that? An experience doesn't set you free. Truth sets you free. If you experience the truth, it will set you free. So if we're not living by the truth, we'll never have the freedom that we meant to have. And just so you know, this is a constant wrestle for all of us. This is not guilt and condemnation. This is, Lord, help me take another step forward in this life so that I can be freer. Take another step forward in life that I can be more like you. Take another step forward so that I can be a blessing to those around me Lord just help me take another step you're not taking the ultimate step you're just taking another step in Christ the implication of the truth sets you free is this is that's what's holding you in bondage is untruth have you thought of that? if it's truth that sets you free The bondage is there because of a lie, friends. The reason why we can't change is unless you deal with the lie you are believing, you will never step into freedom. And sometimes it's difficult to face the lie that we are living or believing. And the problem is, we're complicated. We're mixtures. So it's not that you don't believe in Jesus. It's just that this thing is there, and every now and again it takes hold of you, and you believe it more. And then other times of worship, oh Lord, nothing. I'll die for you, God. Or anything. On the way home in the car, have you had those moments? On the way home in the car, after an amazing experience with God, you and your wife. Whoop! Wow! what are we believing friends that is stopping us from changing Jesus is the truth that's why when you read these scriptures friends, it challenges us to change our lies that we believe in and put the truth until the lies get replaced by the truth of God freedom doesn't come Jesus is the truth about God but he is also the truth on which we base our lives so it's, you can believe Jesus was the Son of God. But is He, a, is he the truth that, that you live by? Or you try to live by daily? I, I, I don't want to use the superlative language because people think that it's unattainable to them. And they think that I somehow or some spiritual person doesn't live where you live. I also have to watch my eyes when I go to the beach. I also have moments of panic when the bills come and I'm like, Lord, how's this going to happen? And it manifests itself in some form or manner. And my wife has to say, why are you doing that? I'm trying to make this attainable to everybody to go on this journey with Jesus. You see now this is starting to separate. I'm going to get to that now. Jesus, friends, I want to challenge you. Ask yourself the question, what are the lies that I'm believing that's making me somebody that's unbending, that's making me angry, that's making me anxious, that's making me a difficult spouse to be married to? That's making me a difficult employer. What are the lies that I'm living? Jesus wants to replace that with the truth. You know what? So often of it, often uh, it is with these things, these things. It's like you actually don't believe that you believe you're nobody. You know, people that believe they're nobody are often the people that are saying they're somebody. But when you dig down, there's a lie that actually, and so they're trying to demonstrate it and what are the last? Write them down. Figure it out. I'll go on a journey with God. At, look at verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because there's no room for my word. I want to say this, friends, to, for people that have been walking with God a long time. The people you know, the ministry you've done, even the history that you have, like these guys, descended from Abraham in the line, in the bloodline, doesn't help. It's always only Jesus. You never outgrow Jesus. Yeah, but look what I've done, Stan. I've ministered to a million people, saved. So, But your life is a mess. Jesus. See, the Pharisee's story was, my heritage determines my future and my freedom. Whether they actually are free or not, but it's their heritage. It's like where we came from. Jesus says, no, the sun determines your future and your freedom. That's why when your past, when your your history was a mess, there's a future and freedom. Because it's not dependent on the past, it's dependent on the sun hope some of this somewhere along the line is landing and how do we change friends I've got three quick things I want to go through number one he says if you were Abraham's children then you would do what Abraham did what happens, friends, is we, we kind of have this life and somehow the church kind of over the last probably, I don't know, 100 years or whatever, it's coming right now. That It's like God is trying to pull these things back together. It's like you can have believers and you can have disciples and they don't have to be the same people. So I can believe in Jesus. When I go to Home Affairs, Christian, it's like, and I can come to church, I can believe in Jesus. But friends, it's not about believing in him. It's believing him and trusting him to such an extent that you actually follow him. It's Abraham's children. If you were Abraham's children, then you'd do what he did. The thing that Abraham did is he believed God when he and Sarah could have no kids and God was saying, you are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He believed God. He trusted God, and God credited to him as righteousness. I want to say to us, friends, we can't just be believing Christians. We've got to be believing, trusting, following Jesus, Christians. It seems so simple. But are we following Jesus? Are we getting... There was a saying that... When The the rabbis, the the, the students of the rabbis would say, I need to have the rabbi's dust on me. I'm so close to him. I want to get the rabbi's dust. When I'm walking with him, physically walking with him, I want his dust on me. I want to become like him. I also want to become somebody that blesses and ministers to others. It's the first thing. Believing in Jesus versus following Jesus. What are we doing? Where are we? If you are just believing in Jesus, what are you going to do? It's going to come later. Okay, let me go. It's going to lead into my next point, in fact. If you're just believing in Jesus and you're not following Jesus, what you're going to believe for is an encounter with God that changes everything about you and puts you exactly where you should be and makes you the person that you're going to be. Half of you are saying, well, what's wrong with that? Yeah, oh, that's what I do believe. My question is, are you changing? The encounter with God, when we talk about encountering His presence or encountering uh, encountering Jesus or having this encounter, it's got to be an encounter with truth, friends. That changes you. It changes you. It, it, It puts revelation into your heart. You see, change doesn't come from trying harder. Change comes from trusting and training it comes from following and walking with him I don't know how to say this it's, it's, it's like Year's resolutions will never ever do anything for you it's the son who sets you free it's truth that sets you free so what you do is you train yourself to live with and to journey with truth bit by bit step by step And you start to change. Can God change you in a moment that he hits you on the floor, pins you to the ground for three days, you get up and you're a different person? Yes, he can. But that's not often how I've seen it happen. It's certainly not happened that way in my life. Because partly I think is because God wants relationship with us. He wants us to press in, he wants our face, he wants to know us. He wants him to know him, wants us to know him. So he wants to walk with us and journey with us and bring us into greater degrees of freedom more and more and more. And taking out the lies, the lies that have come into your life because of the life you've lived and the family you've grown up in, and all those things, and replacing them with his truth. You are my son, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. We believe that statement, but we don't always live that statement. We have moments. You see more scripture reading. Now I'm going to sound like I'm schizophrenic. Only reading the scriptures. Often you go to people and you say, well, listen, how are we going to change? I just need to be praying more. And I need to be reading the scriptures more. I need to be worshiping more. Of course you need to do all of that more. But the way you're going to change is to encounter the truth more. If you're just reading the scriptures because that's the way you do life and if the truth is not ministering to you, you will not change. You become like the Pharisees, a very good scripture reader. And you can quote scriptures and you can diss scriptures, but is your life changing? I'm talking real stuff. You see, what truth does, friends, what truth does, which is my third point. First one is believing versus following. The second one is trying versus trusting God and training. Can I just, training, I haven't, I meant to say this. If you want to learn to run 10Ks, what's the first thing that you do? Try and run 10Ks? Or do you just walk 1K? You walk 1K. Next week, you walk two k's. The following week, you walk three k's. The next week, you run two and a half k's. You slowly build it up. You learn, you're training your body. You're realigning your neural pathways. You, you, you're readjusting. You, you, you're training yourself in godliness. You, you're learning to follow Jesus. And, you st- and what happens is, if you say, now I'm going to run 10 k's, and you get out the blocks and you hit 10 k's, what's going to happen is you're going to hit the wall at about three k's, and you're going to fall over, and that's the last time you'll ever try to run 10Ks. Christians do the same thing, friends. Train yourself. Learn to walk with Jesus. Get His dust on your face. Repentance, friends, is the way we change. Please can I say this again? I've said this lots of times. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Sorry. Repentance is realizing that I need to say I'm sorry. Repentance is when Jesus says this. I mean, there's a couple of statements he makes about repentance. He says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He's not saying, Hey, listen, get on the floor, say you're sorry because God's coming and he's going to crush you if you, if you, if you, if he comes and you haven't repented. He's saying, He's saying, listen. The kingdom of God is at hand. You need to start changing the way you view the world and start changing the way you see things and believe in Him. And when you do that, when the revelation of that hits your heart, your heart and your emotions and everything begins to change. See, change comes from the inside out. Actually, the only way we change is through repentance. It's through greater and greater degrees of revelation it's seeing it's understanding it's comprehending it's 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 seeing as God sees when we start to see as God sees what happens is our hearts truth hits our heart and slowly but surely you realize man I've been doing this all my life I've got a problem with finances that's why when the bills come I panic is because I don't believe God is my provider because I grew up in a home where we never had enough When that revelation of God hits you as provider, it gets into your heart and begins to shift you and there's a moment of God, oh, sorry, for not trusting you. And by the way, you're not going to just say that once. You're going to say that multiple times because it doesn't happen quickly. In one sense, it feels like I'm dumbing down on this. In another sense, I'm trying to make it accessible to everybody. Friends, I want want us to be a community that is living in freedom and continually changing, continually growing and moving in more of what God has for us. Revelation is a truth encounter. Repentance is a truth encounter. When you have that moment of truth, it reorganizes everything and then you've got to train yourself to live in that truth. You train yourself to live in that truth. So that when, you know a default happens. So that when the bull comes, you don't automatically, first time, I default, Lord, actually no. God is my provider. The next month, bull comes, oh, uh, Lord. But then, the next month, you don't have to remind yourself, your default is no, but God is my provider. Bit by bit. training. Can I tell you the biggest obstacle to our lives of training with God? It's not repentance because repentance comes by revelation. Must I tell you the biggest obstacle? You're going to say, yeah, but we don't read the Word. No, we do read the Word sometimes. And we've got to read the Word. We've got to be pr- profoundly in the Word. More worship. Yes. Don't try and live a life where you don't gather on a Sunday and you listen to the word preached and you worship together. Don't try to live. That's, God has called you to be. That's one of the graces that God's put in your life. Don't try to do life without God. Find God. Know you need God. Not just believe in Him. Follow Him. The greatest, greatest obstacle to a truth encounter today and it's in my notes, is busyness, rushing around and distraction. We're not changing because we're busy in our lives, we're rushing around and we're distracted and that's been part of the problem with devices in church. What's happening is we're we're distracted, we're answering things, we're doing stuff and we whatever. And I know my scriptures here, I use it all the time. When I'm looking at my phone, just so you know, I'm looking at my Bible. I'm not answering calls. Our greatest obstacle, friends, I want to say it again, is Busyness, rushing around, and distraction. We don't get enough time in God's presence to have a truth encounter. Did you notice that this didn't instantly separate? It needed a thing called time. And over time, the oil finds its place, the water finds its place. Friends, if we are not spending time with God, and I can tell you it is this simple for most of us. I know it's true of me. If you are not spending time with God, no separation is happening. Sin is not floating to the top and so you can take it off. If you're not spending time with God, friends, I'm not talking about going into the prayer closet declaring Shanda for two hours. I'm taking 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning with a coffee and being quiet. It's time with God and silence and solitude is where it mostly happens. Where you shut up and you let him speak. That's what's called prayer. Where you let him speak. Then when you pick up the scriptures, oh, highlights, highlights. God speaks, starts to speak to you. Then you start to realize, man, I had such an amazing time. What was it? God showed me this truth, and it's not true of me yet, but it's going to be. And then you tell your friends, God showed me this truth, but it's not true of me. Please hold me to account that it becomes true of me. Friends, the greatest obstacle to more freedom and greater freedom in God, I'm not talking about what Christ gives you as you say yes, you have all the freedom available to you. I'm talking about the functional living out freedom is we are busy, distracted, and rushing around. When we wake up in the morning, I think Christian or somebody said it this morning, we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is reach to our phone instead of reaching out to God. wonder why our days don't go well. Not ordered. There's no separation. You need community, friends. The reason why we're not changing is we're not in community. We're not sharing. You know, truth Truth loves to be shared with each other. It changes, it encourages, it, it builds a community of truth. It holds us to that truth. It helps us move forward in that truth. Celebration, I've already said it, celebration's like a Sunday morning where you, the plumb line gets put back again. Worship, God gets put back in his... It's a moment. You know why Sunday mornings are effective? Because you've got an hour and a half of separation happening. That's all. It's an enforced separation moment. That's what cell phones and devices have robbed us of because we're continuing on them. I want to say to your friends, can I just say this to us? Can we have moments where we realize that and say, God, this I want to be separated this morning. I've got a big week ahead and I need that stuff up there and I want me here with you. Please help me. He is freedom. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. If the truth is what sets us free, we need to have an encounter with truth. And I pray, Lord God, it's such a big thing. I just pray that you would take a sentence, a word, a concept this morning. As we're sitting here, we're kind of settling out that you put truth into us, Lord. And if we're struggling, put us into small groups, put us into friendship circles, put us into coffee dates and moments where we can talk about the Scriptures and allow God to minister in the community. I pray for us, Lord. I pray that you would reveal yourself in profound, profound ways, Lord. There'd be moments of repentance that leads to change because it is a moment of truth that hits our hearts and explodes our minds and begins to rewire us the way we think. That when the, when the, when the world looks at the church, they would understand how God designed humans to be. We thank you for that in your mighty, mighty name. Bless your people as we go this week. Help us, Lord God. Give us the strategy, the rhythm in our lives to have moments with you where we can spend time with you. Lord, help us. Early morning meetings, late night meetings. Father, find a way, Lord God, in the middle of the day, at lunchtime, whatever it is. Father, just that we can breathe in your presence and find rest and just separate a little. Thank you for that in your amazing name. Amen. Bless you guys.